Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. My name is Valerie and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to CT REITs Q1 2021 Earnings Results Conference Call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during that time, simply press star then the number 1 on your telephone keypad. To withdraw your question, press star then the number 2. The speakers on the call today are Ken Silver, Chief Executive Officer of CT REIT, Leslie Gibson, Chief Financial Officer of CT REIT, and Kevin Salzberg, President and Chief Operating Officer of CT REIT. Today's discussion may include forward-looking statements, such as such statements are based on management's assumptions and beliefs. These forward-looking statements are subject to uncertainties and other factors that could cause actual results to differ materially from such statements. Please see CT REIT's public filings for a discussion of these risk factors, which are included in their 2020 MDNA and AIF, which can be found on CT REIT's website and on CDAR. I will now turn the call over to Ken Silver, Chief Executive Officer of CT REIT. Ken? Thank you, Operator, and good morning, everyone. We're very pleased to welcome you to CT REIT's first quarter 2021 Investor Conference Call and to share with you the results of another strong quarter. Notwithstanding the disruption, heartache, and angst the pandemic has created for now over a year, CT REIT has continued to produce the same kind of solid results it delivered prior to the pandemic and since our IPO. We designed and have consistently managed the REIT to produce consistent growing value reflected in growth in AFFO and NAV per unit, not to mention distributions. We continue to leverage the relationship with our majority unit holder and most significant tenant, Canadian Tire, which provides a solid foundation anchored in high-quality, well-located real estate and long-term triple-net leases. While we complement that foundation of freestanding retail and distribution facilities with value-add acquisition and development opportunities, at its core, our focused net lease strategy predictably delivers resilience and growth. Those core attributes, resilience and growth, were never more clearly on display than in the most recent quarter and over the past year. I'm going to turn the call over to Kevin Salzberg, our President and Chief Operating Officer, to provide an update on our investing activities and operations. Leslie Gibson, our Chief Financial Officer, will then review the financial aspects of the quarter before turning the call over for questions. Kevin? Thanks, Ken, and good morning, everyone. I hope you're all keeping well. As outlined in yesterday's press release, we are pleased to announce six new investments this quarter that will require an estimated $40.2 million to complete. These new projects include the expansion of six Canadian tire stores in Cochrane, Castleman, and Milton, Ontario, Charlottetown and Summerside, PEI, and Lethbridge, Alberta. When completed, these investments are expected to earn a weighted average cap rate of 6.4%, and will add approximately 162,000 square feet of incremental GLA to the portfolio. 
It is one of our core com competitive advantages that we support Canadian Tire in its ongoing real estate requirements. Since IPO, CT REIT has funded the expansion of over 40 Canadian Tire stores within its portfolio, adding approximately 400,000 square feet of GLA through these investments. With the addition of these six newly announced store expansions, we currently have 15 store intensifications and one expansion of a Canadian Tire distribution center planned for completion over the next two to three years which will add an incremental 446,000 square feet and 322,000 square feet to the portfolio, respectively. With respect to previously announced investments, in the first quarter, we completed the vending of an existing Canadian tire store in Lower Sackville, Nova Scotia, which added approximately 53,000 square feet of incremental GLA. The REIT also sold its Arnton Prior Mall property in Arnton Prior, Ontario during the quarter. At the end of the first quarter, CT REIT had 26 properties that were at various stages of development. These projects represent a total committed investment of approximately $240 million upon completion, $59 million of which has already been spent, and $34 million of which we anticipate will be spent in the next 12 months. Excluding the Canada Square redevelopment and the development lands that we own in Calgary, Alberta, these projects will add a total incremental gross leasable area of approximately 860,000 square feet to the portfolio upon completion, 95% of which has been pre-leased. As at Mar March 31, 2021, CT occupancy rate was 99.3%, in line with both Q1 2020 as well as year-end. With respect to the impact of COVID-19 on our property operations, rental collections remain strong and generally in line with the REIT's pre-pandemic historical average. With the recent lockdowns and stay-at-home measures put in place by various government agencies throughout the country in response to the third wave of the pandemic, we continue to monitor and manage, to the extent possible, the impact of such measures on our portfolio, reinstate required operating policies and procedures at our properties, and continue to work with those tenants whose businesses have been negatively affected. With that, I will turn it over to Leslie for a review of our financial results. Thanks, Kevin, and good morning, everyone. Despite the continuing challenges from the pandemic, we are again very pleased with the strong Q1 results that CT REIT has delivered. In the quarter, we've reported a diluted AFFO per unit of 27.3 cents, an increase of 7.5% compared to the 25.4 cents per unit in Q1 of 2020, reflecting the positive impact of the NOI variances and lower interest expense. Diluted FFO per unit increased 5.1% to 30.8 cents, versus 29.3 cents in Q1 of 2020 due to the same factors affecting AFFO per unit growth. Reported net income increased 3.7 million or 3.9% in the quarter compared to the prior year. The main contributors to the growth are the rent escalations and the CTC banner leases, which contributed 1.6 million, and the net addition of income producing properties and completed developments and intensifications in 2021 and in 2020 which contributed a further $1.4 million to NOI growth. Same store NOI increased $1.6 million or 1.7% compared to the prior year, primarily a result of contractual rent escalations contributing nearly $1.9 million, which includes the 1.5 annual rent escalations, on average, contained within the Canadian Tire store leases, partially offset by the expected credit losses for tenants who were significantly impacted by the pandemic, which decreased NOI by $0.4 million. Same property NOI increased by 2.3 million or 2.5% compared to Q1 2020, primarily due to the increase in same store NOI by 1.6 million and intensifications completed in 2021 and 2020, which contributed 0.7 million to NOI growth. 
our rental collections remained strong through the fourth quarter at 99.4%. And this has continued through both April and May with collections at 99.6%. General administrative expenses as a percent of property revenue were 3.1%, which is higher than the 2.4% in Q1 2020 driven by the fair value adjustments on unit-based compensation and the lower income tax expense in the current quarter. Excluding these non-cash items, we anticipate our annual G&A run rate to be in line with prior years. The REIT recorded a fair value increase of $4.3 million our investment properties for the first quarter of 2021. The valuation metrics used were virtually unchanged from those used in our December 2020 reporting. Our AFFO payout ratio for the three months ended March 31, 2021 was 73.6%. This was a decrease of 5.2% from the same period in the prior year due to the increase in the AFFO per unit exceeding the rate of distribution of the distribution rate. The interest coverage ratio increased to 3.68 times in Q1 compared to 3.43 for the first quarter of 2020. The increase in the interest coverage ratio is primarily due to the growth of EBIT FV combined with a decrease in interest and financing charges. The quarter-over-quarter interest expense and financing charges decreased primarily due to decrease in the Class C LP units from resetting the interest rates as of June 1, 2020 on the Series 3, 16, 17, 18, and 19 Class C LP units with CTC and decreased mortgage interest expense partially off by in, offset by an increased utilization of the credit facilities. Moving to the balance sheet, we continue to be in a strong financial position. CT REIT's indebtedness ratio was 42.5% as of March 31, 2021 compared to 42.9% a quarter ago. The decrease was primarily due to the reduction of total indebtedness along with the growth of the REIT's investment property portfolio. Early in the first quarter, we successfully completed the issuance of $150 million of unsecured debentures with a 10-year term and a coupon of 2.371%. The proceeds were then used to complete the early redemption of the $150 million unsecured debentures originally set to mature on June 1, 2021. With this early refinancing completed, we have no further debt maturities to refinance until the second quarter of 2022. This recent issuance illustrates a couple of points about our continued debt strategy. A chosen term of 10 years is consistent with our sector-leading weighted average term to maturity of just under eight years. The coupon was chosen, term, chosen was, as typical, slightly more expensive than the shorter-term debenture would have been, but much less so than on some other occasions in the market. Additionally, the longer term chosen provides flexibility for the REIT with respect to future borrowings and allows us to consider a broad range of potential terms in response to market conditions in the future. In addition, with $294 million available through our committed, commercial, committed credit facilities and $7 million cash on hand, coupled with no debt maturities for the next 12 months, we continue to maintain a liquid position. I would also like to speak to the trend in our book value per unit. As at March 31, 2021, the book value per unit was $14.74, up from $14.62 per unit price as at December 31, 2020, primarily due to net income exceeding distributions. And with that, I will turn it back to the operator for any questions. Thank you. At this time, I would like to remind everyone, in order to ask a question, please press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. We'll pause for a moment to compile the Q&A roster. 
Our first question is from Himanshu Gupta with Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Thank you and good morning. So just good looking morning. at the new, uh, just looking at the new investments. Uh, I mean, you have 43,000 square feet expansion in Milton, Ontario. Uh, just wondering, what is the cap rate on this intensification? I know overall you mentioned 6.4 for the total investments. Uh, I'm answer with Kevin. We don't we don't typically break out uh, cap rates per investment. We we typically uh, report them on a on a combined basis. So I don't think we'd be prepared to disclose that at this point. Sure. So so maybe you know my question was more around the difference between the GTA versus the secondary tertiary market. I mean I can clearly see you know Milton is a standout there. Uh, so just wondering, is there like uh, any spread or any big difference between uh, you know a GTA versus a like a tertiary market? Yes, there there would be. So we we typically uh, I guess price the uh, the cap rate or the return uh, on the respective investment based on the market characteristics, and it would approximate a market cap rate. So I think it's fair to say there would be a spread between the urban uh, intensification and the secondary market ones. Got it. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, just sticking to Milton, uh, the completion looks like it's still two years out. Uh, uh, is there anything which is taking a bit longer there, or it's the typical what you are, uh, uh, you know, seeing in the market right now? Well, similar to what we would see with, you know, most developments, anything, you know, in a more urban setting generally takes longer. So from both a, an approvals entitlements perspective, and then obviously uh, it's a slightly larger uh, expansion, so um, a little bit longer to construct as well. Got it. Uh, and then, you know, uh, in general, the expansion of Canadian Dash stores, I mean, six announced uh, with the release this time, uh, the expansion, is that in response to the pandemic? I mean, that is Canadian Dash looking for larger stores, or they were always in the pipeline with or without COVID? Uh, well, I'll let Canadian Tire comment on their plans for the store network more broadly. Um, but we would describe previously how the trend has been, and what we've seen is the requirement for more square footage, not less, as time goes on. And I think the pandemic has only served to reinforce that with the, you know, uh, the, the store performance and, and Canadian Tire's uh, sales uh, more generally. So um, we're very happy, obviously, with the growing pipeline. We, we like the development program as it, as it stands, and uh, with completions uh, slated to start mostly uh, at the beginning of next year, um, you know, uh, we're sort of uh, ramping up from some of the deferred and, and delayed projects that uh, were put on hold um, at the outset of the pandemic. Got it. Uh, and maybe just final question from me, uh, how is the pipeline looking for third-party acquisitions? I mean, are you seeing any improvement in deal flow there on that front? There's a little bit more deal flow that I, I've seen uh, in the market more broadly. Um, there's a couple interesting transactions out there that I'm aware of, um, uh, that I think will be benchmarking uh, or help with benchmarking for um, net lease assets, uh, you know, as, as we go forward coming out of the, uh, the, the pandemic. Um, a couple things that we're looking at, but nothing to report at, at this point. Yeah. And in terms of pricing, is there any difference there? I mean, uh, you mentioned a couple of interesting things going out there. Uh, anything like pre-pandemic versus what is being treated right now? Um, I think I think my, my comments from previous quarters would still hold. I think you know quality uh, net lease assets with covenant tenants long terms are commanding uh, a lot of attention and premium valuations. And I think cap rates uh, on those assets will be uh, lower than they were heading into the pandemic. Uh, I think there's what, what's been interesting is we've seen um, 
some other retail, uh, non-grocery anchored trade in the quarter. Um, you know, I, I think there's less interest in that, but at least the trades are picking up again. I think the pricing on that is higher than pre-pandemic. Um, uh, but obviously the, um, the depth of, of buyers for those assets has been uh, significantly reduced uh, over the last 12 plus months. Awesome. Thank you for the color. I'll, I'll turn it back. Thank you. Thank you. Once again, please press star 1 at this time if you have a question. Our next question is from Sam Damiani with TG Securities. Please go ahead. Thanks. Good morning, everyone. I guess I'd like to just get into the uh, the expansions that were announced last night with you know the math pointing to an average price per square or cost per square foot of $250 and, a, and an average rent in and around the $16 mark. And both of these metrics would be at sort of plus or minus 10-15% premiums to the current portfolio, um, but the location mix doesn't seem to be materially off off uh, off base with respect to the overall portfolio. So I'm just wondering, are these are these rents on these expansions the same as the respective existing stores, or are they uh, set at uh, current market rents, um, and so different than the existing store rents? Uh, and just some color there would would be would be of interest. Thank you. Sure. Um, you know, to answer your second question first, um, you know, the rents would be slightly higher than in place, and I think your comment about increasing construction costs is really the reason why that is. You know, we we base it off the market cap rate as I described, uh, and with cost escalations um, coming in as they have, um, that's leading to slightly higher uh, rents. And I think, you know, the trend on market rents uh, as it relates to increasing construction costs will be interesting to watch over the next couple quarters. Um, you know, what we feel comfortable obviously with the slightly higher rent because we're blending it with the existing in-place rent uh, and it's, you know, the expansions are smaller uh, than the typical store size. So it blends not too far away from the, the current uh, average. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a concern, uh, construction costs. It's something we're watching closely and obviously it's going to have an impact on, on rental figures. And so the, the 250 bucks a foot obviously doesn't include land. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because the REIT already owned the land on these respective sites. So what would, like, what would be the all-in replacement cost, if you will, if the if the land is excluded at 250? Would it would it be another 50 bucks a foot for the land? Uh, it really depends where you're buying land, Sam. Um, you know, on average, could that be uh, approximately you know uh, correct? It sounds it sounds in the ballpark, yeah. Thanks. And uh, just over to, I guess, Canada Square. Any update on the process there? I guess there was a design review panel uh, recently, uh, and just what, what we can expect for next steps as well. Hi, Sam. It's Ken. Um, uh, our development manager and and owner, uh, Oxford Property, submitted a development application back in December 2020. So the municipal process uh, is underway. Um, so that's moving forward. Um, you know, really nothing uh, changes in terms of our timing. We're still waiting uh, for Metrolinks to give us some indication as to when uh, the LRT will be completed on Eglinton and when, you know, we would get the, uh, the land upon which we would be building phase one. Um, so uh, no, no significant changes on that front. Okay, thank you. I'll turn back. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. Our next question is from Jenny Ma with BMO Capital Markets. 
please go ahead. Thanks, and good morning, everyone. Morning. Good morning. Further to um, Sam's question about the new developments, can you comment on whether or not you're securing a similar type and, and quantum of rent escalations on these deals that you have within the current portfolio? Uh, yes, we, we, the rent escalations will continue. And uh, I'll also mention um, you know, where there's uh, less than a certain amount of term, we're extending the leases as well. Okay, and I guess broadly speaking, are you still able to secure that kind of rent escalation when you're talking about, um, you know, renewals with, uh, with CT? I'm not sure if you're doing much at this point because I think the next ones are still a, a couple of years out. But just wanted to get a sense of whether or not you're still able to get um, similar rent escalations going forward. Um, so we did have one Canadian Tire Store lease uh, that comes up for expiry uh, this year. It was a lease we acquired from a third party, and, and because it was a third party lease, they actually had fixed rate options to extend, and, and Canadian Tire has extended that lease. Uh, the next round of, uh, of leases that expire are 2023, so uh, we are still in the process of uh, working through uh, the future of those sites. But you know, when we uh, vend in new assets, uh, typically um, we do get the rent escalations. Uh, so that pattern um, uh, continues on uh, at this time. Okay, great. And then uh, with regards to the 2023s, uh, at what point do you start discussions? Is it still a little bit early now? Uh, no, those discussions have, have already begun. Okay, great. Um, and then there's, uh, I think this question is for Leslie. Um, looks like there's one mortgage expiring, I believe, that's secured against Canada Square. Can you remind me when that expires? That one is not until March of 2023. We have one other small mortgage secured by a standalone Canadian tire store we acquired that um, expires in uh, summer of 22. Of 22, great. And um, I mean, there's there's so little by way of secured mortgages. Is, is it fair to say that you're probably looking at paying these off when they come due, and then just going, you know, full 100% unsecured? I think that's fair to say for the standalone Canadian tire store. Um, as it relates to to the Canada Square. You know, when, when that mortgage uh, comes due, we'll be sort of hopefully heading into construction in a different phase of that project. So um, we'll be looking to, um, you know, work with our partner and, and, do, and put some financing on that project. It's probably unlikely that, um, that that secured financing, it may change into some different form of construction or some other kind of facility, but um, we're probably more unlikely to roll that into it unsecured. Okay. Thank you. That's all for me. Thank you. Our next question is from Tom Woolley with National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Hi. Good morning, everybody. Morning. Good morning. morning. Um, just wondering, um, you know, the stock price is up significantly since the last time Canadian Tire uh, sold down some of its interest in the REIT. Um, have there been any conversations about uh, them potentially lightening up in the future uh, in terms of their their position? Hi, Tal. It's uh, it's Ken. Um, we've we've had no indication from Canadian Tire with respect to any of their plans, one way or the other. Okay, that's great. Thanks very much, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. As there are no further questions registered at this time, I would like to turn the meeting over to Ken Ken Silverspiel for closing remarks. Thank you, operator, and thank you all for joining us today. Hopefully, by the time we speak to you again in August, we will be speaking of the pandemic, mostly in the past tense. 
Until then, please stay safe. Thank you. This concludes today's call. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.